0: When we think about like what else can we really do looking at 2023 and beyond, it's really saying what experiences, what traditions, what content can we bring to life knowing that we sit at the center of this family We have the relationship with the parents. We know when the baby was born. We know brand preferences. We actually know the products that they already have. We also have this relationship with their friends and family and grandma and aunts who really want to continue to support that baby.
1: You're listening to Retail Remix. Your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. If you've listened to this show before, you know I am extremely passionate about spotlighting brands and retailers that not only understand their customers, but are willing to innovate and find ways to solve their consumers' most complex problems. Babylist has been able to do just that by focusing on content, curation, and of course, connection to resources and tools that help consumers make the best decisions for a very important life stage. As a BabyList user and follower, I was thrilled to sit down with Natalie Gordon, founder and CEO of the company. It was truly enlightening to hear her perspectives on why she started the business, how she feels it has evolved, especially in the age of social media, and what new investments the brand is making to ensure that it's connecting with not just parents, but the overall family of caregivers and loved ones in such an exciting but overwhelming time. Listen in because even if you're not in this baby category, I think honestly all retailers and brands can take a page or two from the BabyList playbook. Natalie, as a BabyList fan and user, it is a honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so
0: much for having me. It's really great to be
1: here, Alicia. So you started BabyList more than 10 years ago at this point. Let's start at the beginning. What was your inspiration for starting the business in the first place?
0: I was, before BabyList, I was a software engineer. And 11 years ago, I was pregnant with my first son. Now he is in middle school. And I like to think the business itself is in middle school. And I was going through this experience myself. And the experience was choosing all of the products that like our family was going to need with this new baby, creating my baby registry itself um, to send it out to friends and family who really wanted to support us as we had our son. And I truly saw where the gaps were in the market and I built BabyList as the tool, the resource that I wanted myself. And I think there were some very key parts to the offering that were there on day one that really are still core to what we do. One was this idea that you're not going to find everything you need for your baby in one store. And so you want a registry that works great across retailers. Another was when you send it out to your 40 friends and family, you want it to look really good. you want it to work well. And at this time, 11 years ago, every competitor on the market was pink and blue, like very baby-like or like that aesthetic, not cool. That's what I would describe it as. And then the third was you want a way to ask for things, things that are, I like to describe it as things that are particularly meaningful to each family. For our family, um, we had a German Shepherd and. Someone who could actually come and take our dog on her morning walk was a priceless gift. And so it was a way to really ask for those really meaningful things that you couldn't find in a store. And I had no idea it's what I was going to do for a decade. And just to kind of flash forward, last year in 2021, this registry platform drove over $700 million of commerce across retailers and GMB.
1: Wow. Wow, that's amazing. So digging a little bit deeper into the what was missing side of things, right? Because I feel like the most powerful businesses are rooted in firsthand experiences, which this very much was. And it also kind of taps into those gaps in the market, the the challenges that seem to rise up time and time again. And I feel like when you're a expecting parent, like it's overwhelming, right? And and you talked about how a lot of the products you need are from different places, different retailers, so that's one area of complexity for sure. I loved the mention of like deeper, more meaningful gifts and experiences that you can add to that registry as a gift. But what else was kind of missing from, you know, this entire experience, especially through the lens of online and digital experiences, right? Like, how did you believe these gaps were kind of impacting your experience, not just while you were pregnant, but like in those early days even of like being a parent, like what was missing from that whole experience?
0: I can tell you maybe how the product really has progressed in a very specific way or what how BabyList has progressed. So in this original version of it, it was like, this is this great registry, go off into the internet, Choose all of your products, and you can add them to your baby list registry. And we really made a shift. This might have been seven years ago, eight years ago, into making baby list the destination itself to help you make these 100 product decisions. I had heard from a user. She said when I signed up for baby list, and you told me to go off into the web, like I just felt like I was doing something wrong. And for me, it mapped even. Regardless of online or not, the thing people will still say who remember babies R Us and that moment of walking into Babies R Us when you were pregnant and had to actually choose these products is I walked in and I was completely overwhelmed, or I walked in and tears came to my eyes and I immediately left. And so that's actually been the challenge that like we've been attacking specifically for this category. It's we're a destination we are going to help you make these 100 product decisions and we are going to give you confidence in the decisions you make we have some like core philosophies in how we do this the products that are right for each family are different there's no product that's like right for every single family out there and we're going to help you find what works for you and that is true across like very different income levels everyone can be a great parent everyone can make these product decisions we do that in a lot of ways the first way we did it, and this is still something people mention to me all the time is we have the best guides for these products. So this was before the Wire Cutter. It's when, when really you were going on the Internet to find these, you would find 27 products in a slideshow. These deeply researched editorial guides, they are written for people who are not parents yet, but who are very intelligent. And it's written for that first-time parent from someone. The voice is really, it's its your big sister. She's a few years ahead of you. And she's trying to be really helpful, both in telling you the pros and the cons of things. Actually also telling you, if you don't buy this product, like how could you get around it? Can you? Do you even really need this? And so we do a great job with that content. After we really had real success there, we really tackled video. And the thesis there was from my phone, watching a video that's less than five minutes, I should be able to understand this product better than if I actually walked into a store and tried it out. I think we're using data in really interesting ways and have much more opportunity here for like how we actually surface to you and give you confidence in all of these product decisions.
1: That's fascinating. Yeah, one of the things that has really stood out to me about Baby List over the years is like how you've been able to really build out your content arsenal. And it's going far beyond that, like, oh, when you're getting ready to have a baby, you need this list of things, you know, it, it really gets into all of the adjacencies, all of the considerations, all of the important topics that are top of mind for parents. And I guess that leads me to a follow up question around like, how this kind of age of information we're in has impacted or or I guess reaffirmed BabyList's mission and, and focus on empowerment and confidence. Because I know as a parent of a four and a half year old, like social media is just like empowering, but also still so overwhelming, right? Like the volume of like different influencer accounts and blogs and platforms and resources. Like it's great that I have one-click access to all of this, but I still feel like being able to focus to your point, like what's right for me still feels so overwhelming. So like, how does BabyLess think about like this era or you personally, and and how is it guiding you, I guess, from a strategic and tactical perspective? Yeah, I
0: think at its worst, it feels very judgmental. Like you're going to be a bad mom if you make this decision, this parenting decision, this product decision, it's a, what you said, it's a very overwhelming life stage. It's also exciting, but I think at its worst, the social media age really amplifies that messaging. I think at its best, it's actually really inspiring. Like I think that there's fantastic UGC out there. We really kicked off in full our TikTok strategy about a year ago, every quarter, kind of in this to keep the entire organization as it grows as close to our customers as possible. We do an all company Zoom with real BabyList users. And everyone can ask them questions. They tell us about their experiences, both with parenting, with pregnancy, with how BabyList is working for them. And we had maybe five panelists and four of them all said, oh, I heard about BabyList because a friend used it. My friends gave me a lot of guidance on the products I'd need. And the fifth said, oh, actually I'm I'm the first one of all my friends who's having a baby. And so I'm not really getting advice from my circle. I heard about BabyList on TikTok. And when I'm on BabyList or another site and I hear about a product, I then go to TikTok and I search for that product and I watch videos about it. And we just felt like our minds were blown and that this really is how the next generation is going to want to hear about products. And we were going to need to be there. It it was pretty exciting. And kind of to fast forward where we are today, we have 700,000 plus TikTok um, followers, and that's really growing. And we see that like core to maybe both what you were saying, like harnessing the social media age and how it's changing, as well as making sure that what we do and our offering stays relevant for this next generation of parents.
1: That's so exciting. And I have to ask, is that challenging at all for your team? Like, are there any challenges like your team faces in, in providing this level of support, you know, being in the appropriate channels, adhering to those different <laughs> guidelines? Like, I guess I'm looking at this through the lens of a content person. Like, how do you balance like that scale, but like also still remaining relevant and also just keeping team bandwidth
0: and, and resources in check? Does that get hard at all? Yeah, I think you're naming a really true thing. We try to tie it to focus. So it's where are we really focused right now? So we had been very focused on YouTube as a platform. And I believe at the time that we said we're gonna have a real focus on TikTok it wasn't us actually saying we're going to have a focus on every single channel out there. It was very specific. So you're not going to see baby tweeting on Twitter, but we were very focused about this as a core channel. I think focus is actually one of our like core values and it's I think it's the key to how we've built this business so profitably over time. It's by being like very focused and actually getting to where we've gotten to with a pretty
1: lean team. No, that's great. And I assume there's like this combination of like branded content and user generated content as well, because you noted like there's so much great content out there. So, how do you go about determining like what? is best for like the branded voice and like the branded creators to create something on versus like, oh, our customers can actually tell this story better. And like, let's mine that and use it effectively across these channels.
0: Oh, that's a great question. I'm not involved personally in those decisions, but I think our team does it incredibly well. I think that the core guiding value there is to really put the user in the center of it and say like what what does the user want to hear about this okay. i know that we produced this is one specific tiktok about car seat safety and that i had over a million organic views i think content like that we can likely speak best to there's probably other types of content that where ugc is actually more appropriate i'm specifically thinking about you know like comedy and those like viral TikToks, that might not be the baby list producing those videos. It might be amplifying someone else's video.
1: Great. I always find it so interesting, especially for, you know, the baby category, because it is this like very fascinating combination of, you know, personal stories and experiences, but also like it can be technical. It can be like like anything around like new technology, right? And like there are so many like connected home products, and even things like I want to say like diaper pails, right? Like it's just like <laughs> there are technical aspects to that, and I'm like, oh, okay. But then there's also the health and safety side of things. Like I could imagine it can easily feel a bit overwhelming, but like you guys just do it so well. So like, what does your content strategy look like today? Because you have like the core e-commerce experience, you have social platforms. So like, how are you guys thinking about this moving forward? Like what is really going to be central to your content strategy?
0: I think that I want to answer it in two different ways. I think for a content strategy as a it- Really relates to helping you make these product decisions, and list being the destination to do that. We see product decisions split in two ways. One is very high consideration products, so that is your baby monitor, that is your stroller and your car seat. You are going to really research these products. They're most often higher price points, but also just high consideration. You really want to get it right. The other type of product is low consideration. It's a product where someone could see that and immediately know if they want to add that to their registry or purchase it. That's like cute baby clothes or books. Or we brought a product to market. It's a bottle sampler box called the Babyless Bottle Box. That's a low consideration product. Everyone would put it on their registry or purchase without much research. And so with those two categories, it actually really changes where you would put them and the depth of that content. Are you looking to be inspired and discovering products? I'd consider those the low consideration. Or do you really want to do deep research? That's the high consideration. The second thing about this content strategy and really how we are thinking about it is that we've been actually, we've had a couple of pop-ups this year and Kind of in those locales where BabyList actually was manifested in this amazing physical space, the content production moved there and I I think was the best that we've ever produced. And so we're really looking at this blending of physical and digital to bring both real world experiences to life and really tie it to the content that we bring to life.
1: That's great. Yeah, I want to get into the in person experiences in a second. But to go back to, you know, just like the core e commerce site and and experience and designing a journey that your target audience is looking for and, and expects, I mean, I guess, you know, your audience kind of breaks into two groups, right? Like it's, you know, the parents and also the people who are buying for the parents, right? So it's probably two different Sides, But are there any like new consumer behaviors or expectations that you're trying to lean into as a business as you think about updates or refinements that need to be made to the baby list experience?
0: I think a couple of trends that started in COVID, I think are really are continuing that really do affect us in the trajectory of our offering and the experience itself. With COVID, I run this business for almost a decade and I felt like I knew this user going through this life stage better than almost anyone. And with the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like I just knew nothing. I did not know what she was going to do. I really saw baby showers slowing it down and I wasn't sure how baby list would be used. Two trends that we saw that definitely are continuing It's grandma being much more comfortable buying things online. That's one. There was definitely a shift in that behavior. And even if she really wants to go in store and be inspired, she started to buy online and is much more comfortable doing so. The other is if baby showers have absolutely come back to the height that they were before the pandemic, but now it's also very normal and accepted to have a virtual shower on Zoom for the people who are far away and would never have been able to travel in for your baby shower. So we see kind of that support for the virtual shower continuing. We actually do a great job with e-commerce. And so that's been a bit of a tailwind, this shift to e-commerce. And I think maybe, I feel like, the trends caught up with us a bit for what this content and commerce experience really could look like.
1: That's great. Yeah, definitely a lot of interesting trends happening in this space. So to the end, as you think about that convergence of content and commerce and, you know, all of the new ways parents are, are trying to prepare for this life stage and you know, family members are trying to support them in the process. Are there any key investments that you've made or priorities for your e-commerce experience, anything new or exciting that you've implemented in order to kind of further capitalize on these trends and really make that experience as seamless as possible?
0: Yeah, we're always improving. The thing I'm actually the most excited about right now is Really thinking about how we engage with all of our users. And you touched on it. We have this deep, engaged relationship with the expecting parents and the new parents. They're visiting us every single day. They trust us, they know the brand. And then they send out their registry to their friends and family. And up until this year, we actually had a transactional relationship with those family members. And so, Before someone was a grandma, BabyList would help her purchase that car seat or that crib for her new grandbaby. And then we actually really never spoke to her again. And that's actually where we've made a ton of progress this year, is really continuing this engaged relationship with grandma and aunts and family and friends who care about their new roles and are going to continue to support this family and this baby, both before baby is here, but also after the birth. And when we think about like, what else can we really do looking at 2023 and beyond, it's really saying what experiences, what traditions, what content can we bring to life knowing that we sit at the center of this family graph. We have the relationship with the parents, we know when the baby was born, we know brand preferences, we actually know the products that they already have. We also have this relationship with their friends and family and grandma and aunts who really want to continue to support that baby. It's something I think we're uniquely positioned to do. And so I think that's something that I'm particularly excited about. Yeah, that's amazing. So we did briefly talk about
1: the pop-ups that you've done. So I want to kind of connects this idea of continuing the relationship with the user, with the customer, and and being a resource and being there for them, you know, across all channels, across all life stages. So, I mean, tell us about the pop-up experiences, you know, what the learnings were in that process, and and maybe how you kind of bring that babyless promise and mission to life through the physical experience. Because I always find, like, it's interesting how brands make that journey or, or make that transition from very digital online only to like a physical representation
0: and experience. It was amazing because I've led this digital only brand that's never had the physical experience that you're talking about. And we did a, a series of pop-ups this year and they, the team just nailed it. When I walked in, they got the brand so right. They got the experience so right. It was called Babylist Cribs. And basically, they created this experience in a home setting where you could see products where they would actually be used. And so rather than seeing high chairs on a wall, you would actually see high chairs around a table. Now, I guess it's funny, the rise of QR codes means that you can now deeply research that product by scanning the QR code. You can actually purchase it. You can add it to your registry. And I think the, I felt so much confidence really in this being a core strategy from us, how well the brand came to life and the experience. The learning was actually the user engagement when they were walking through this space, they were staying much longer than we had guessed. They were looking at every single product carefully. They were taking videos. It was actually really phenomenal and really told me that this is a place we should invest. I think we are really looking at experiences like that with this showroom element. It's very different than that experience when you walk into the big box store. I've done research in big box stores and I've stood there on a Saturday morning and watched family after family go to the car seat and stroller section. There's no one helping them and they look close to tears. We're really trying to create the opposite of that experience. You walk in and you feel inspired and you can actually try out products. We had a stroller track with multiple terrains that you could actually push the stroller around and see how it handles. Um, So it's really bringing things like that to life um, for consumers so they can make the product decision Well, it's very inventory light, they don't actually have to walk out with the stroller. In fact, they're gonna add it to the registry and someone's gonna make that purchase for them two months later. Right, yeah.
1: I've definitely been there, done that as far as feeling close to tears looking at something, especially something as critical as a stroller or even a high chair, right? It's funny how, you know, you sometimes don't consider scale or like context of your space while searching for something in a traditional big box store because it's just like rows and rows of stuff. So it's kind of hard to decipher what's the best option for you. So I love that more... Curated and contextual approach. So, you kind of alluded to this being a key area for you guys to invest. So, is it safe to assume that there will be more cribs in the future? Yes,
0: it's safe to assume that Babylist will not be just online only in coming years.
1: Very exciting. So, to that end, I mean, like as you are thinking about the future, Natalie, and you know, thinking about how BabyList is always evolving and adapting to consumer needs and expectations. I'm curious what you think the unique advantages are like for your business, especially from like a merchandising and supply chain standpoint, because I know that was a big struggle for a lot of brands and retailers. It, It still is for many, but like what capabilities or technical areas does Babylist have in order to remain agile and remain customer focused in light of you know all of these changes and disruptions?
0: Yeah, there have been so many challenges with supply chain. And if you think about what that means to our consumers, they're having a baby and they need that car seat when they need it because baby's coming. They can't wait three months like they might wait for a couch. We have a couple really core advantages and really core competencies we've built here. Baby products themselves aren't actually very seasonal. So it's not very fashion-based. Car seats that are sold this month will be sold in six months. So it's quite predictable in that way. And if you think about the registry itself, we actually have this incredible predictor of demand. And that's really looking... For this very specific product, was it added to registries? What color was it added to registries? And then from all of that information, looking at how products are added to registries and really on on an actual SKU level, we can predict demand for when that user or gift giver is actually going to make that purchase. We can share that information with our vendors and really plan our own inventory to that end. And so that's really helped us navigate that, really make sure that we have great in-stock levels. We've made huge improvements on our ability to get products into users' hands faster, really relying on this data and the specific behavior that we see in this really core advantage of the registry and predicting all of this behavior.
1: That's amazing. And it's great that there is a there's an alignment and sharing of information with your partners right because i know a lot of times like now that we're talking about marketplaces more and the advantages of retailer and supplier collaboration like that data is so key so that's great that there is an exchange and transparency of information to that end but this has been great ally i feel like we touched on so much and i think the core of it all is that Babylist is continuing to innovate and, you know, ensure that it remains a resource for parents, you know, through its content, through its range of products, and just making that overall experience a lot easier and, and even enjoyable for consumers, which I think is so needed in this particular category. But as far as, you know, the future, I mean, what what's kind of top of mind for you or BabyList as a whole now? Like what behaviors or trends are you kind of tapping into or watching even? Like I know we talked a little bit about like the pandemic trends that you think are sticking around. So is there anything in particular you're drilling into and you're excited to explore further in the future?
0: Yeah. You and I in this conversation covered two of those. It's really this physical digital e-commerce experience that we really did with Cribs this year and have really great ideas for how we're going to carry that forward next year. The other is moving from this very transactional relationship to this really engaged, helpful relationship um, with the people supporting baby, like grandma and aunts. I think there's a third that we're really excited about and looking to see where we can really add value for our users. And that's really in this like health and wellness space because that's so important to our audience.
1: I love that. Very exciting. Like we've been seeing... Mental health, wellness, self-care really come into the forefront of a lot of decisions, but I think especially for millennials, for Gen Z consumers, and of course Gen Z is getting older, you know, depending on which year they were born, are becoming parents in some cases. So it'll be interesting to see how you bring that into the fold. I think it's it's already the well-suited the babyless brand for that. That mix, So very excited, Natalie, to see what's coming next from you and the BabyList team. But for now, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much. This was great. And to all of you, would love to hear your thoughts on this conversation. Would love to hear your experiences, even shopping for Baby in the past. And if you are a BabyList user, like I have been, I would love to hear from you on social media, on Twitter, at rtouchpoints, or on LinkedIn at retail touchpoints. We'll make sure Baby List and, and Natalie are tagged as well so we can keep the conversation going. But for now, leave us a rating or a review on your preferred podcast player. Let us know how you like the conversation. And of course, subscribe to the show. We have new episodes coming weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, everywhere else. If you don't want to miss it, be sure to subscribe. That's it for now, everyone. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.